This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hello, I'm Joyita Gupta, host of The Pulse on AMI Audio. It's a show featuring in-depth conversation about the biggest challenges facing the disability community. With today's fast-paced news cycles, it's often hard to get the big picture. Join me and other members of the disability community as we take a deeper dive into the issues that matter to you. Listen to The Pulse wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're live, we're ready. Go. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. From AMI headquarters in the center of it all. Holy moly. This. The most scenic, unbelievable. Is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic in history. The neutral zone. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Neutral Zone. I'm Joshua Watson, joined by Brett Wells. How are you today, Josh? I'm doing well, thanks. And we are also joined today by Brock Richardson, who's putting me to work again. Hey, Josh, how's it going? I am good, sir. How are you? I'm pretty well. I'm pretty well. It's Friday afternoon, so uh, pretty pretty good day of the week. Got a couple of uh, elimination games, of course, so... Lots of sports still, and uh, looking forward to it. Absolutely. And on that note, let's quickly touch on our Twitter poll from last week. Last week's Twitter question was, which NHL team do you think has the best chance to win the Stanley Cup? Edmonton came in at 9%. Calgary at 27%. Our other category, which uh, was a write-in, was 28%. And Winnipeg came in at 36%. This week's Twitter poll question is, do you believe the Toronto Raptors will defend their championship title? Nice, simple answers here for everybody. Yes, no, or undecided. You can cast your vote at AMI Audio or on any of our Twitter handles, which we will give you later in the show. Now that we've got that out of the way, uh, let's figure out how everybody's week went. Brett, why don't we start with you, because I think you have a fish story for us. So it's no secret that I've had had the opportunity to be at the cottage all summer, and I've been throwing the line in the water literally every single day. I'm on uh, the Muskoka River in Bracebridge, Ontario, and just trying to catch a fish. So last week, uh, around 4 o'clock, uh, I was throwing the line in the water and I got a hit and, uh, super, super exciting. And it was about 25 feet from shore and, uh, cast or pulled it in and pulled it in, reeled it in, reeled it in. And as it got to the dock and I was yelling, grab the net, grab the net. It, uh, decided to go under the dock. It came back up, shook its head and spit the lure out. You can find the videos on my social media feed at, uh, Bretzky 1984 I will put it to my other Twitter feed for uh, the show at neutral zone Brett and uh, I will try to link it my Instagram to it as well sounds good sir and Brock what about you my week was good and I have to say it was the best video I've ever seen of Brett trying to catch this uh fish like it was so close to uh getting to the dock and the person behind the camera was very encouraging and then it was like wah 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 
So it was a great video, and uh, I highly encourage people to uh, look at it. But my week is going well, and I'm looking forward to a great weekend ahead of sports for sure. Absolutely. So am I. I've had a bit of an interesting week. My 19-year-old car decided to quit on me this week. So I have been trying to figure out options and thankfully was able to get it fixed. But uh, yeah, I went till about Wednesday without really knowing whether or not I had a viable vehicle or not. And as someone who relies on a vehicle, that was a bit of a challenge. So glad that it got taken care of. So now that we've gone through all of that and we know how everybody's week went, let's get into our headlines. Yoena Cespedes of the New York Mets and Lorenzo Cain for the Milwaukee Brewers last week both opted out of the 2020 season. For the second straight week, the NHL reports zero cases of COVID-19 that is approximately 8,000 tests in two weeks and no positive results. The Toronto Raptors once again are getting very little attention in the United States. Are they the most underrated team for the second straight year in a row? I sincerely believe so. Uh, this team really can compete uh, for another title. And that is why the Twitter poll question was designed the way it was. Major League Baseball seems to be persistent in wanting to complete its season after another week of positive tests. I certainly hope that they're able to complete their season, but if there's any more tests that that come up positive, they certainly should consider just scrapping the season. Sticking with baseball, Nate Pearson of the Toronto Blue Jays made his second straight start, which was really good uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Unfortunately, the bullpen could not hold it, and he still is yet to get his first career victory. And that was our headline segment for this week. Thank you very much, gentlemen. On this week's show, we chat with the program coordinator for New Brunswick Blind Sports, Simon Richard. Sorry, Simon Richard. I apologize. Also, we hear from Kyle Petty, a para-athletics athlete in the shot put and the discus, on the recent announcement that he will be inducted into the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. In our last segment, we're going to discuss the NHL and the NBA and how we feel things are going in those respective leagues. So it's going to be a jam-packed show. And as we said, coming up next, we speak with New Brunswick Blind Sports Program Coordinator, Simon Richard. Stay in with us. You're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI Voices for Ability Broadcast booth. We are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. 
first pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter conversation with Brett Wills from the Neutral Zone? Find him at Neutral Zone Brett. Swinging a chopper to second base right at C.P. Buchanan 13. Claire picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this organ interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. joined by Josh Watson and Brett Wills. And we are going to welcome in our guest uh, for this week, and that would be Simone Richard, Program Coordinator for New Brunswick Blind Sports. Simone, welcome to the show. Simone is not with us at this moment. Um, so we're waiting for that still. While we wait, Brett, I know you have been busy with... Um, today for sure uh, doing a 5k wheel you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah so uh, I got a uh, something called a free wheel for my birthday just about a week ago and I've got a couple of buddies Chad Pilon and Andy um, Andy Moore he, uh, he's a personal trainer but uh, Chad and I got together this morning around uh, 10 a.m. in Hamilton and I did a 5K for the first time in uh, I don't know how long. It, it, it's been an awful long time since I've done a 5K from my wheelchair. It took about 50, 50 51 minutes, um, which I'm not sure about numbers or timing, whatever. I don't know if that's good or bad or whatever. But uh, the, the point of the story is is that uh, there, there's some awesome adaptations or devices that you can attach to your wheelchair to, to keep you active, to get you active. And uh, I'm just, I'm super grateful for it. I'm going to be up north for the, the rest of the summer, and uh, the train's not that great, but uh, I plan on trying to do a 5K every single day. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing for sure. Uh, I don't know even if I did have the body, body type and or disability that will would allow me um I don't know if I could do a 5K. Honestly, it would be uh, it would be definitely challenging. So, good stuff for sure. Uh, it looks like uh, Simone is unable to join us uh, for this segment. Unfortunately, I want to go back. I want to go back to um, something we talked about in segment one about the Toronto Raptors having um, an opportunity to defend their championship. What would you gentlemen uh, vote for in said Twitter poll? Josh? In my, in my case, I would vote yes. I've watched pretty much every game they've played except the one against Orlando, and I think they looked as strong as ever. I, I know Kawhi had a big part in what they did last year, but I think they've all learned a lot, and Kyle Lowry has really stepped up and done a great job as a leader on that team and same with uh, same with Marc Gasol and 
I think they've got all the tools and now all the playoff experience that they can do it. Brett? So I'm, I'm actually on the fence about this. Um, so I'll say undecided. I'm concerned with uh, the, the news today that Patrick McCaw is going to be out for the foreseeable future uh, as he uh, receives treatment on a benign mass on the back of his, his left knee. Uh, I, I understand that uh, he's not necessarily part of the, the starting five, but I think it's important to have a full roster of healthy players no matter what. When it comes to crunch time, when you get to playoffs, uh, a guy like that is going to probably play some garbage minutes. Um, so uh, right now I'm undecided. I'm a little annoyed with the NBA right now who uh, decided that it was in their best interest, in my opinion, to not give Nick Nurse a nod for the NBA coach of the year. Yeah, that for me is something that I can't understand. And again, it kind of goes back to, you know, the um, the lack of, of appreciation north of the border. Because I, I would imagine that, you know, at least 80 to 90 percent of that comes from there. And talking about Nick Nurse... Serge Ibaka said something recently while they were in the bubble, and he said, our coach, Nick Nurse, gives us confidence. It's as simple as that. What does it mean for you guys when a veteran like that can come out and say, this coach who's a second-year coach gives us confidence? Josh? I think confidence at the top is huge. I mean, I know I've had the experience in hockey where I've had different coaches and our hockey coach currently that, uh, that Brett and I share is fantastic. He's very hard on us, but at the same time, you just, you know, he's got everything under control and that is huge. It means that you as a player don't have to think about everything that's going on on the ice or on the court. You just, you go, you do your job, and you know that he's going to make sure everybody else does theirs. All right. Um, Brett, on Josh's point, what makes a good coach, in your opinion? I think it boils down to proper communication. A, A guy who's not afraid to tell you that you're doing a good job when you're doing a good job, and a, and a guy who's not afraid to tell you that you're doing a really, really bad job when, when you're just – your head is up your butt. And, and I mean, that, 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 that's probably a terrible term to use on air, but, but it's realistic because uh, uh, this coach that, that Josh is talking about, he throws no bones at you when you're doing great. He'll tell you that you're doing a fantastic job, and when you suck, he will lay it on the line that you are playing terrible. Absolutely. Uh, John Tortorella-esque? I wouldn't suggest he's John Tortorella-esque, but, I mean, you know, it, it might be close. Uh, I uh, I think John Tortorella is next level. I, I think he, John Tortorella is in his a league of his own. Yes, definitely. Guys, speaking of that uh, 
aforementioned John Tortorella. He uh, was filmed on on camera, obviously, during uh, game game two of the Leaf series. Uh, really losing it on one of his players. How many times can a coach lose it like that and still stand, you know, to have the support of the room? Like, is there a number or does it depend on the coach, Josh? For me, I think it depends on the number of times he does it. If that's his go-to is to scream at you, then eventually you're going to get to a point where you just go, yeah, 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 you're mad. I get it. I know what I did wrong. Just shut up and leave me alone. But if you're the type of person that you normally will try to coach someone and through and say, you know, why did you make that mistake? How can you do that differently? But they've chosen this one time because they're under pressure and it's a high stress moment to go off on you then I think that's different. But what I've always heard in the media about John Tortorella is that he uses the same tactic over and over and over again, and eventually guys just get tired of it. So I I think it really depends on how you use it. Screaming can be a great tactic if it's used occasionally. When it's used all the time, I'm not sure that it's a great move. Without, of course, uh, using any anyone's name, I'm not. About you, Brett? Here, I'm not here on national radio trying to uh, get anyone in trouble. But do you guys prefer um, one method over the other, or have you had coaches in your careers where you're okay with one over the other, Brett? You know, I've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to play for a number of coaches and experience a number of tactics. And there is success and failures in all the ways that I've been coached. So I wouldn't suggest that there's a proper way of coaching. I wouldn't suggest that there's a, uh, a right or a wrong way of coaching. Uh, I think that it's a case of, and it sounds so robotic, but it's a, it's a case of knowing your audience, knowing your team, knowing your players, knowing how each individual will react to how you treat them. So sometimes you got to play good cop. Sometimes you got to play bad cop. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things. Like over my career, I've been lucky enough to kind of have coaches who are that soft spoken coach that that um that that soft spoken voice where they're not yelling but they're they're making their point known it's kind of almost that you know when your parent says to you uh i i'm disappointed uh versus uh you know getting really angry and i found that to be really effective over my career i haven't had the the um the the opportunity to see different coaching styles i've always had you know the calm the calm cool and collected but they then still have their ability to um to get their point across so back on the raptors just a little bit um how much does home court 
home court, quote-unquote, really matter to you in the end, Brett? I mean, this is a really funny situation, and I mean, it's also a, a situation that that needs to happen. What is home court? They're playing in in Florida. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, is is home court court important? Yeah, it's important, but it's important in the right situation. They're playing on home court, but they're not really playing on home court. They're not playing in front of the fans in Toronto. They're they're playing in front of. Uh, an empty arena with, I suspect we've been talking about it, a bunch of pixelated fans. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, so, so that's a really, it's a really good question, but it's, it's, it's a really hard question to answer. Yeah. So that's, you wouldn't be in favor of necessarily uh, uh, sitting in front of your computer and having, you know the the camera in front of you and watching the game uh, game that way. To be perfectly honest with you, I've got a really hard time, or I, I've had a really hard time in the last couple of weeks or few weeks trying to sit down and watch a hockey game uh, and stay focused. So I, I think that that's something that I, wouldn't interest me. I did find it really really funny or really really cool, depending on how you you put it that I w- I've been seeing screen grabs on Twitter of uh, Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's uh, sitting behind home plate uh, through a number of games, which the, the, that's the the coolest thing I've ever seen uh, at, a, at a professional sports game. Um, the idea of with this pixelated fan thing, th- th- there's been some successes, there's been some failures, but it's new. And they're they're doing their best to try and figure out what the fan from home is going to enjoy. Yeah, it's this is uh, un, uncharted territory for sure. Uh, before we we wrap, Brett, any prediction? Like, what's success for the Toronto Raptors? What's failure? Um, I would say success is. NBA championship and failure would be probably losing the Eastern Conference final. Fair and very, very direct. And I would have to agree with you. On that note, we're going to take a break and we're going to check in with Kyle Petty, who was recently announced as an inductee into the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. Stay with us. We'll be right back. message for the neutral zone call now 1-866-509-4545 and don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air let's get ready to leave a voicemail welcome back to this week's episode of the neutral zone i am your host brock richardson joined by josh watson and brett wills josh do we have you back i hope so gentlemen are you there we, we are here the gremlins of the gremlins of uh, technology 
bit us today, but that's okay. We got you back and uh, happy to have you, of course. Absolutely. On this segment, uh, we're going to be listening to an interview that Cameron did a couple of weeks ago. And uh, on, the f- on the first clip that we're going to hear, he tells us how he got involved in para sports. You're listening to Kyle Petty. I actually started out running at first, but it, uh, I did some running and shot put and discus. And then when I moved to do just the, the throwing events, and it was shot put and discus. So when I went to my first Paralympics, I won two silvers, both in shot put and discus. And then as time um, went on, um, I was getting better at shot put and discus. The, everyone else was kind of catching up to me. So we had to make a decision as to which one um, I would focus on. And, and shot put was my better event. So that's uh, the first one. The second clip, he tells us um, how he found out about getting inducted into the Hall of Fame and who the first people were that he told the good news. Let's have a listen. I uh, I got a I got a call uh, from him, and they said like they they told me that I was uh, I was going to be inducted, and it just felt it felt awesome. Like I, I had retired and kind of. Um, I still had fond memories of sports, but then to know that um, I was going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame and that people still remembered um, what I did and then getting uh, calls and emails from friends uh, that I hadn't spoken to in a while because they had heard about it, it just it made me feel real good. Um, I told my parents. They, they've supported me throughout uh, everything. Um, they were there for me um, when it first began when it first began so i was just so happy to um and they took me everywhere they took me to all my meets they took me to my practices um they supported me uh throughout everything in my sports well throughout everything in my life but 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 definitely my sports and i know that they were very proud so um i was glad to be able to share it with them and and uh they were happy that i was recognized for everything uh everything that i was able to accomplish kyle was then asked if he ever thought his career would turn into a Hall of Fame one. And when he knew his career would lead to big things. Let's have a listen. No, not at all. Uh, I remember competing in like uh, in school and being like the only disabled kid. And, and uh, it was just different. Like I, I kind of started this to, to meet friends and to be able to, to have like, uh, like outside activities to do. Like I never thought that it would just be, that it would be, that I would do this well and that I would be able to be recognized like this and be able to travel all over the world. I thought I was just going to a local meet uh, just down the road. Like it, uh, I never could have imagined that uh, I would have been able to do all the things that I was able to do. Uh, I don't know when I – I knew uh, – I think after probably year three, I knew that I would be able to uh, – like I was getting better and uh, my goal was to go to the Paralympics. So that was my goal. I never – um, I never thought it would be a Hall of Fame career. I just, I knew that I would be, like, my goal was to make it to the Paralympics. And then once I did that, then I wanted to be able to make it to another one. And it, it just kind of went on from there. Kyle goes on to talk about representing Canada at the 2008 Paralympic Games alongside myself. It was it was probably my, my most memorable Paralympics. Um, I was going in as an underdog. Um, no one, I just changed from, uh, throwing from a standing position to a seated position. Um, and everything just kind of came together at that games. 
Um, and then I do remember being there with Brock and, and going to watch him um, at the Bocce. I always tried to – I always liked going to see the guys that I knew because I've known Brock for a long time. That I always liked to go to see the guys that, that we knew uh, compete. So it was nice to be able to be there with him and uh, to share the experience with him. Um, so in my class, um, you there was a time where you could pick to choose whether you were going to be throwing from a standing position to a seated position. So for the first Paralympics, for the first two Paralympics that I went to, um, I was throwing from a standing position. Um, and then the classification system changed a little bit. And then I was able to throw from a seated position. So we kind of had to re... Um, changed a bit of my training um, um i had a really good coach that was really good at, at tie down um coaching tie down athletes so to, to to train from the seated position i had a really good coach and he he kind of took me through all the steps i needed to do to change my my training um and it just kind of all clicked at that beijing paralympics and then i was able to 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 continue on competing Kyle talks about someone we talked about earlier, Ken Hall, who was his coach, and the influence he had on his career. Oh, yeah. So I've had some some really good coaches that, like, have helped me along the way. Um, and, and like I say, what I was, when I was talking about uh, my previous coach, so Ken Hall, um, he... He was he was there when I was doing my transition from he was my stand up coach and then we moved to be tied down and he was there and he he helped me so much I actually moved from from uh, I was living in so I I grew up I was training in Camelford then I moved to Ottawa to train there um, as a stand up thrower and then when I was transitioning over um, I moved to Brampton to to because Ken was there so Ken Hall is the coach um, so because Ken was there. Um, I moved there to train with him, and he was the one that helped me, me transition. And then when I've had a lot of my successes um, throughout my sports, I wouldn't have been able to do it without him and the great training group that we had. Next, Kyle talks about the lessons he will take from his career. Um, I think, too, you kind of go through uh, where you start out and you're not very good, and then you you come to a point where you are you're you're at the top of your game, and then you kind of you fall off. So you you just kind of realize that you got to live in the moment, and you got to that there's always there always is someone better than you there. So you need to to take the highs with the high, but don't get too low. When I guess at the end of your career that that there will be someone that is better than you, but then you're kind of passing the torch. So. Um, I was able to train with a great group. So then as I was kind of ending my career, I was trying to help the other athletes in our group uh, get to where to where I was. And to, 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 to be able to go to the Paralympics and to have all those experiences. So we just kind of, we worked really good as a group. So I was trying to help those, those guys uh, get to the level that I was at. And finally, he talks about what the future will hold after his retirement. Let's have a um, right now. I think I'm just uh, enjoying. I miss the. I don't know if I miss the training so much, but I do miss uh, the. I miss the camaraderie with all of my teammates and all the buddies or whatever, and even uh, going to practice and joking around and stuff like that. So I do miss that. Um, I'm not sure if coaching, um, if coaching is is something I want to do. I'm I'm not sure. I'm just. Uh, 
I'm enjoying spending time with my with my daughter, and we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens from there. We thank uh, Kyle and Cameron for uh, taking the time to do this interview. I want to start, guys, because Kyle and I had a uh, unique experience in uh, 2008. We, at the time, we both uh, came from the Cruisers, as the Cruisers had a, a bocce club and. We were excited to, to be there together. And one of the things about the village is that you are around all athletes um, when they're done their competition or between days or whatever the case is. And I would always meet Kyle uh, in the uh, computer lab. And it was always um, the first thing you'd ask is, how'd your day go? And how'd your day go? And Kyle is such a genuine person and just wanted to be around and wanted to be supportive and he's just a a wonderful human being it really is too bad we uh we couldn't get him on uh, live and had to do a talk to tape but uh uh you know kyle is just a wonderful human being and uh, we thank him josh i know you had some uh, words you wanted to throw out there about kyle yeah absolutely kyle is just He's, as you said, he's just a, a really warm, really fun guy to hang around with. Um, I, I know he and uh, he and one of our other throwers would always push each other. Uh, he would always, you know, make bets with with them, trying to trying to push them to be better and and push all of us to be better. Um, I just remember watching his his work ethic when he was at practice, when he was at meets. Uh, he still is the only thrower I know to scare the crap out of me every time he went into the circle. Um, he, uh, he he used to pump himself up by screaming at the top of his lungs, and I knew it was coming, and I could just, I could not help myself. I jumped every time. But it was so cool to watch him just do his thing and get prepared and go out there and throw and he he just loved to do it and you know what this is just such a well-deserved recognition for him i'm i'm very happy to see it brett uh any comment on kyle i know you've had a little bit of experience you know kyle's a great guy and like josh said he's got a fantastic work ethic and he he helped everybody in the cruisers throw program that he could uh, when he was around uh, with his his kindness, his compassion, his maturity, and his knowledge uh, of the throw events. He, he certainly would get, would give you advice, uh, even if you didn't want to hear it. He would, he would sit you down and tell you what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, what he thinks would help you in terms of t- tweaking or t- tinkering with, with how you're throwing the implement. Great guy, and uh, I'm just I'm proud of him, and uh, it's an honor that uh, I get to know somebody that's going into a Hall of Fame. By the way, I just want to I just want to put out there also the uh, induction ceremony is scheduled for I believe it was September uh, 26th, and Kyle is not aware of exactly whether that's going to go on or not due to uh, COVID uh, restrictions, of course, but uh, just just such a humble guy. And, like, I mean, he he just he, – he, he wants to be happy about the Hall of Fame, but he just kind of – it's like, 
ho-hum, I'm just doing my thing. I don't think, you know, he he certainly threw to be part of a Hall of Fame with the intention. He just did it for the love of the sport. So, Absolutely. again, we we thank Kyle for that for sure. And uh, maybe in the future, if things allow, we'll have him on live because he's a really, really good guy uh, to have. After the break, we're going to be uh, switching gears to the uh, mainstream sports world. We're going to talk a little NHL and maybe a little bit of baseball as well. Stay with us. You're listening to the Neutral Zone on AMI Audio and Voices for Ability. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Josh Watson and Brett Wills. Well, gentlemen, there's lots and lots of sports on right now. And, of course, the um, NHL is is a full swing. I'm going to just run through uh, some of the series, and then I want you guys to pick a couple that we can kind of toss around if you will Edmonton and Chicago the series is currently two to one Chicago now keep in mind these are best of five series so first team to get three wins moves on second series is uh, Vancouver Minnesota series is two to one Minnesota third series as we sit here right now and the reason I say as we sit here is because the game is going on as we are coming to you the series is currently Two to one for the Pittsburgh Penguins versus the Montreal Canadiens, and Winnipeg loses their series to Calgary three to one. They Calgary will move on. Injuries did play a factor there for sure. Toronto and Columbus. Uh, Columbus is winning two to one with a game tonight. If the Leafs don't win, they will be out. If they win, then there'll be another game on Sunday. Josh, start with you. What series stands out to you? Uh, that's a good question, Brock. There's a couple of really interesting ones to me. Um, I honestly did not think Edmonton was going to have the problems with Chicago that they have. That, to me, is is quite astonishing with, uh, with McDavid and Dreisaitl and with Ethan Bear and, and Darnell Nurse on defense. Like, that should be a strong team, and they just they can't seem to put it together. Uh, the other one that surprises me is is Montreal Pittsburgh. I mean, you've got Crosby and Malkin, you've got Tristan Jari in goal, I guess tonight from what I've heard, and Matt Murray, like two quality quality goaltenders. There's an argument every year as to which one is number one and which one's number two. And here Montreal is they've they've taken two games from them. I just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's being in the bubble. Maybe it's the the long layoff that they're just, they're not as prepared as they should be. But I, I thought Edmonton would be doing better. And I thought Pittsburgh absolutely would be rolling over Montreal. And it hasn't happened. So the, those are the two that, that 
really surprised me. Uh, I guess just briefly, I, I thought that Calgary-Winnipeg would have been a little more even. I thought it was probably going to be the best matchup of the two. But as soon as you lose the, the two guys that Winnipeg lost right off the bat, and then they lost Appleton after that, you, when you lose your three big guns, it's it's hard to move move forward from that. So a lot of interesting series this year. I just uh, want to uh, correct myself because one of our listeners uh, told me that I made a bit of an error. I Montreal leads their series two to one over Pittsburgh. I may have said the reverse. Thank you very much, Dan, on the fly for that. Um, Brett, series that stands out to you. I'm really, really impressed with Vancouver playing Minnesota right now. Yeah, Jakob Markstrom shut out the other night, and Brock Besser with the game-winning goal in the shutout scored on the sixth anniversary of his best friend's death. Just the incredible poise and just the the way he conducted himself at the post-game press conference, just incredible. You, you can tell that He's playing for the Vancouver Canucks, but he's playing for the memory of his of his friend and for the people that have impacted impacted him throughout his career. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool when you see that uh, happening live uh, for sure. It has been a great series. Um, obviously, rooting for uh, Vancouver uh, to do well. Uh, the series, I want to focus on a couple, but I, I want to give us a little bit of time on this one. Uh, Calgary-Winnipeg was riddled with injury. They had uh, Patrick Laine and Mark Shifley injured. Now, here's where I want to go with this. Uh, Mark Shifley was injured by Matthew Kachuk of the Calgary Flames. For me, what looked like sort of a accidental uh you know play his skate kind of got up there and got him in the back of the leg just maybe just a little bit and then after the game uh i think that was game one or game two i can't exactly remember but it was one of those two that um that there was and then paul maurice came out and called it a dirty disgusting hit direct quote I don't know if I agree with this. I know that Matthew Kachuk has had some uh, challenges with disciplinary actions. But for me, I think this was a little overboard. I'll start with you on this one, Josh. I understand why you think that. But honestly, you got to think of it from a competitor's point of view. It's gamesmanship. That's all it is. You... What's his name now? <laughs> Paul Maurice is one of those guys. He is going to defend his people. And if he can do or say or make a scene in the media that's going to result in the best player on the other team getting kicked out for even one game, of course he's going to do it. It's gamesmanship. It's it's trying to give your team an advantage. I understand it. I do tend to agree with you in regards to the hit. I think it was more accidental than he made it sound. But 
it's absolutely gamesmanship. I am not going to sit here and try to tell anybody that if the shoe was on the other foot and Matthew Kachuk was a Winnipeg Jet, that Paul Maurice isn't going to sit there and defend his player up and down. It's, it's just it's gamesmanship. It's trying to get somebody kicked out because it gives your team an advantage. Brett? Listen, Matthew Kachuk is a great hockey player. He backs up his skill with quite a bit, bit of toughness. That, that hit wasn't dirty whatsoever. Paul Maurice, we, we, we had him here in Toronto. And when, when we had him here in Toronto, sure, it was nice to hear that he backed up his players when they got hit or hurt or whatever. But it, it's really, it's just, it's lip service and it's ridiculous. It, it was a clean hit. Uh, it, it's terrible that Shifley got injured. Uh, I'm reading something about an ACL. Um, but uh, it's just, it is what it is. It, it's hockey. It, it's a tough sport, super physical, and accidents happen. It, it, nothing more than, than just an accident on a clean hit. Brett, is this a case, though, where Paul Maurice uh, is looking at the track record of the player and saying, this is intentional because look at his track record in the past. You know, I, I can say that the, he's looking at his track record and when he's looking at his track record, he's making an observation based on the hit that he he's lost his one of his best players, if not his best player. But the, the again, the fact of the matter is, is that it was a clean hit you, and you have to, you have to look at it on a case by case basis. You can't look at, a hit on, from a player that has a history of doing this all the time. There's a lot of instances where you can and you should, but if you if you make the assumption right away, you're losing sight of the broader picture, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree uh, with you, yeah, I but I also I also sort of agree with the point of view where your player needs to be defended by their coach, but there becomes a point where you need to stop. And I think classifying that as a quote, dirty, disgusting hit is a bit far. I understand a bit of the gamesmanship, but I think it's a bit far in this situation because you're calling out the character of an individual and you really don't know the character of an individual, even if they did have suspensions throughout their career. I, I just want to um, touch briefly on one series, and I know some of the Montreal fans out there will be impressed when I say this, but I really, really, really would like to see Montreal make it through to the next round. It, it's, they deserve it. Do I think they're going to go very far once they get there? No, because they're going to be very reliant on Carey Price to get there. But in a best-of-five series, have at it and get there. Uh, I'm rooting for them, and, uh, you know, let's see what they do. We got four minutes left, and I told Brett we wouldn't touch on this too much because it pains him. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets. They are... That series is 2-1 to one with game uh, 4 coming up at 8 p.m. Eastern. Josh, I'll sp spare Brett for a little while. Thoughts? Thoughts are Toronto better wake up. 
I mean, I've, I've watched the I, I've watched the series except for part of the game last night because I had to work. But I came home in time to watch them cough it up. And I mean, to me, there's too much uh, cute passing going on. There's, there's not enough shooting. Uh, there's and there's especially last night there just wasn't enough gas pedal. You've you've got a team that relies on momentum. They have got to be kept in check. You've got to score first, and you've got to score often, and you've got to show these guys that they don't belong here, and you do. But I just I don't see that happening. And if they don't figure it out, Toronto's going to be on the wrong side of this, and I don't want to see that. I'm I'm a Toronto fan. I admit that, and I just. I, I don't know if they play the way they did last night, whether they they have what it's going to take. Brett, we got about 90 seconds. I know this pains you. Uh, give me quick thoughts. How many times in a decade can you cough up a three-goal lead in the playoffs? It's absolutely ridiculous. It's disheartening. It's disgusting. They need to pull their head out of their butt. Um, I, I, I'm a blue and white fan through and through. But the other night it was it was just absolutely disgusting, and uh, they better wake up, wake up, Toronto Maple Leafs. To answer your question, how many times you can cough up a three goal lead in a decade? Apparently, the answer is two, according to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So again, the game uh, goes uh, tonight at eight p.m. The uh, Montreal Canadiens are on the television right now, and they should be approximately. In the first intermission, I don't know the score at this moment, so check uh, your local listings to find out where it is and what the score is. That is the end of our show for this week. I'd like to thank Josh Watson and Brett Wills. I'd also like to thank our technician for today, Nazreen Abdel-Majid, and our regular technician, Matt Agnew, who will return next week. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen, and our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.